You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. For your next sci-fi addiction, you need to pick up the first books in the Spire novel series from author Peter F. Smith. The Spire brings to life a setting years after a viral apocalypse has decimated the world's population, leaving only a handful of families who were instrumental in the downfall of mankind as its new rulers. With mankind wiped out, these elites turn on one another with violent results. I enjoyed the incredible details put into the action scenes that rival any you could possibly see on the big screen and the thought put into the world building crafts possibilities that are endless. The second book, Apocalypse Dawn, allows you to dive further into this dystopia from a survivor's point of view and will grip you instantly. You can pre-order both books on Amazon for 99 cents until November 12th. So sign into your account now and pick up your copies of the next major sci-fi hit and always remember to geek out. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geeks Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. What's up everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Geeks Watch. I'm your host Mitch. No you're not, I'm Mitch, identity theft is a real thing. To my left is John... To my fi- very, very, very far away right is Jess and hello, and our special guest today. Tell them about yourself. Well, my name is Steven, <laughs> but you can find me on all my social medias as Peppermint Gent or Pen- Peppermint Gentleman, depending on if you can get all the words in. <laughs> We're, we're definitely having a, a little bit of fun here uh, on this holiday weekend for us. Uh, I hope if you had a Thanksgiving, you had a good Thanksgiving. John? Uh, I just got some great turkey in. Okay, good. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, where will everyone be when this, when this goes up? Uh, I will be driving. Cool. Uh, I, I will be in the middle of like three different Thanksgivings that I have to take part in, so that'll be fun. So yes, we will. We are are we are recording this earlier than we normally do in the week uh, because of the holiday weekend. So we won't have an, we won't be discussing the newest episode of The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, but we are going to be talking about uh, last week's Watchmen because we always do Watchmen a week later. So uh, with that being said. Let's get into our week's watch. John, what did you watch this past week? I watched a movie I was afraid of watching because uh, it's a property I hold very, very dear in my childhood. I watched A Wrinkle in Time. 
Ah. The one by Ava ah. DuVernay? Yes, the most recent one. Um, I remember watching like a made-for-TV one a long time ago, which was really underwhelming. And I was kind of afraid that the same would happen with this one. The look is kind of mostly right. And the score is cool. It's by Ramin Jawadi. Okay. Um, but the soundtrack is terrible because it's too pop culture you know, you got some hip hop in there and some feel good music by Sia and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, that really takes it out. It kind of cancels out the potential timelessness that it needs to have. Um, and I feel like it just wasn't directed right. It needed like a Spielbergian touch, like a very ET hands on approach to it. And there was almost a, like a hint of that in here at the very beginning. But then it just becomes standard modern live action disney and it really it was just underwhelming okay as i as i was afraid it was going to be fair now I, I wanted to know john which uh what cover do you identify as being the cover for a wrinkle in time for the book uh the, there's one to me the one i associate with is the one where the uh the kids are on top of the uh centaur pegasus woman uh-huh that's the one that's and then there's like there's there's the circle that's up like in the top of the book with the face in it yeah like a rainbow yeah that's what i was expecting the visuals of the movie to be right that's the cover to me and instead the the character turns into like a giant flying cabbage (laughs) like you do it's like what the fuck i don't know it just um there was a lot of things that got right that i expected to look like they did honestly this is like a kid version of inception but with the less I don't know, uh, I guess the brave director, I want to say. Mm, there was there okay. was definitely some things in there that were very, like, kind of head-trippy. Um, I mean, that's interesting that you, you put it that way because Ava DuVernay is a pretty brave director, especially in mm-hmm. her other works. I, like, in her other works, yes. I, I, that's what I was thinking when they gave her the job. I was like, oh, they're, they're going to, you know. I, I think there was a little too much direction by committee that, so didn't a, allow her so to have a free little reign. bit too much interference from Disney. I, I think saying. so. I think that's what it, I think that's why we had the soundtrack that we did, and some of the choices in there that weren't necessary. Um, I, like I said, there was definitely the potential here. I feel. So, what about story plot wise? How how did it differ from the the book? It mostly stuck it. Okay. Um, there was just a few minor character changes, like one of the characters played by uh, Mindy Kaling. Yep. Uh, was kind of different. Instead, in the movie version, for some reason, she quotes. Uh, and I get it. It kind of makes sense with her character in the book. They just chose to do it differently. Um, in the movie, they explain that she's she's basically gone beyond uh, speech. Like, she's, tr- she's transcended verbal communication so that she can't do it anymore. So, in order to communicate, she essentially does like a bumblebee and she takes quotes from other people and attributes it to them. So she'll say, like, you know, oh, the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides, whatever, you know, you know, Quentin Tarantino. Like, that's literally what she would say. It was like that, you know. And I was like, I get where they're going with that, but that's, I just feel like the, I don't know. And it could also be just the, you know, as I remember reading the book as a kid, like, I think it was like in fourth or fifth grade the first time I read it. I read it again as an adult a few years ago. And I was like, yeah, like, it's a much simpler story than I remember it being. 
but you fill in a lot of the blanks when you have like an active sci-fi imagination. You're like, oh, when they talk about uh, interdimensional travel, you know, using a tesseract, you know, you kind of put those things together. And I think now because of pop culture, we have a different interpretation of what some of these things mean. So like the way that they did it is different from how I remember it, which isn't the movie's fault. It's just, you know, adapting with the times. But I feel like it just kind of makes it less... uh, interesting in a way it's just one of those properties that's very difficult to adapt i think visually okay is that quote thing oh i could think of for the quote thing was just that um the michael scott thing you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take (laughs) wayne gretzky michael scott michael scott (laughs) i mean technically if you quote a quote then you're saying it too so it makes sense Uh, was that the only thing you watched this week? Yes, I haven't had enough time to watch more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, what did you watch this week? What was your week's watch? Um, I actually today just finished the third season of The Dragon Prince on Netflix. It's by the guys who did The Last Airbender on Nickelodeon. Yes. And it's it's really good. It's not quite as good as Last Airbender, but it's 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 like my kind of fantasy too with dragons and like this moon elf thing and just the third season's probably the best season so far i've like went through so many emotions and i highly recommend it i had the opposite thing with the dragon prince when i started it like i i uh avatar the last airbender was like exactly everything me and like my entire family watched it all on our like very small three by four tv every mm-hmm. week as it came out for like the six months we had cable um, yeah. But then, um, I don't know, the Dragon Prince, I don't know if it's because my mom was so heavily into, like, um, like Celtic mythology and a lot of the sci-fi and fantasy books she had when I was a kid were so much yeah. of that. When this series came around, I was like, I don't, I don't need this. But I do think <laughs> the third season is the best one by far. Yeah. I still watch it. No, no, I love it. And I love Celtic fantasy, too, which is why I'm like, I love it. But I can still see that it's not, like, writing-wise as good as Avatar The Last Airbender. But it's it's like my kind of show, though, so I'm like a little biased in that sense because I always love anything with like elves and just hilarity and all that stuff is just. Last Airbender set a really high bar, though. Yeah, it did. It did. And even even Korra for the big fans of the series didn't live up to it. Yeah. Yeah. So what what's the the plot, the storyline of the Dragon Prince? Oh man, I just binged it. Now I can't even. <laughs> um, it's all first season. First season. Uh, uh, first season is um, a bunch of uh, moon elves come in and assassinate a king, and his two sons end up teaming up with one of the assassins to um, basically protect a dragon egg that the human supposedly killed. But they found it, and they're going to basically try to hatch the dragon egg and return it to the dragons to restore peace between the dragons and humans. Mm. Yeah, humans. I guess it's like, the way. Humans yeah. didn't have magic. They took yeah. it, and they basically like milk other creatures for their magic. Yeah, that's. Their, I like it. actually. My favorite part is their description of dark magic. Mm-hmm. What makes dark magic dark magic is that you pull it from a magical being by killing that magical being and using that magic yourself. Actually, that's one of my favorite things about the show. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very cool concept. Yeah. <laughs> and for, for fans of the animation style of um, Spider-Man, um, 
Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse, it, uh. it does a lot of the same thing where it's the first season wasn't animated on twos, but the second and third season both were animated on twos, giving it more of like the like almost like the choppy feeling of Spider-Man, yeah. which is a good change. It's a welcome change. If anyone's starting oh, yeah. off on that first season, make it through. I know it looks like a Disney Channel original like like CG Sophia the First kind of animation thing for a second. It gets better. Mm-hmm. It does. So that and that's a that's an original show on Netflix right now. Um, it, I believe they got it renewed for a fourth season. Yeah, they better have because that was a plot twist. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, did you did you have anything else for your week's watch? Um, well, because of Disney Plus, I've been rewatching one of my favorite shows when I was a preteen, uh, Lizzie McGuire show, which is actually going to be getting a reboot too, probably through Disney Plus. And yeah, it's kind of interesting to see something that when you were very young, like watching it again and being like, how did I watch that? <laughs> like, it's so cheesy and so corny, but I still like, like it. <laughs> and there's like some of the jokes they do just would not work. I mean, this was when Aaron Carter was a thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> forgot they had an Aaron Carter episode. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. The- did you get to the, the Frankie Muniz episode? No, not yet. Oh, man. There's a whole episode where she dates Frankie Muniz. Like, he's, like, in their high school for some reason. He's right. movie there. It's weird. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Because they were in Big Fat Liar together? Wait, were they? Uh, I yeah. I, or was that Amanda Bynes? I can't remember. No, I think... No. No, no. She was in... Wasn't she in the, the, the Agent Cody Banks with him? She Hillary Duff was in a movie with, with Frankie Muniz. I'm thinking it's, it's Agent I, Cody Banks. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I can't help you. <laughs> so the only thing I, I... I've never watched Lizzie McGuire, uh, and I really don't know much about Hillary Duff, but the only thing I really do know about her is that she has an older sister named Haley Duff. And... Uh, she shares the same birthday as me. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about the Duffs of Two Sisters. <laughs> so that is on uh, Disney Plus. John was was yes. uh, your um, Wrinkle in Time also on Disney Plus? Is that where you watched? Uh, Netflix. It was on Netflix. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure D- Disney's waiting for that to come over to disney plus yeah i was surprised that they had still have a few disney things on there like the new um, well they still netflix still has a contract through them so (laughs) netflix will still be getting some new disney movies for the next few years too over disney plus i think yeah yeah i believe so uh okay steven what was on your week's watch so I, i watched a few different things uh one of those being a thing that mitch actually talked about last week um you talked about uh ford versus ferrari i saw that oh what'd you think it was really good, honestly. Um, I definitely, I, I think you had said something about like um, people being portrayed in a more positive light. Yes, I think that very much shines through. Yes, <laughs> uh, I like the the villain of the movie. He's cartoonishly obvious. <laughs> yes, very so much so. It was weird because it's like it's a big budget movie. Obviously, they do a bunch of things that are very accurate to the stuff and everything like that. But oh boy. It feels like when when you watch Itmon and it's still like very much like a Chinese propaganda film. Yeah. 
like I, I like Itmon, but I'm still very aware that there's a lot of moral blending. <laughs> and this movie very much had that. But the actors acted it fantastically. You know, uh, in other countries, it, the movie's actually called Le Mans. So it's, because that's a bigger name there. Right. It's, it makes more sense th- to, uh, to call it that, whereas here, I'm guessing American audiences didn't really know the, what Le Mans was. Yeah, not at all. Like, honestly, when, like, we talked about it last week, and I think you had specifically said like, you didn't know about Le Mans. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, the only reason I knew was because my grandparents had a poster. Oh, that's right. It. You did say that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even even though it was your last week's week's watch thing, I just wanted to like recommend it again. I think the the storytelling is very it's very clear where things are going to go and everything, but it's a great ride throughout, and that's not a car pun. That I mean, it kind of was. <laughs> I wasn't trying for it. I'm sorry. Was it intentional? Uh uh-uh. uh. Intend your puns. <laughs> I did. I did what it, the there's that album that I reviewed this last week on the website from Brian Altano. Um, he had a really, really, really good car pun for Ford versus Ferrari. He said uh, at the end of Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, Ford and Ferrari, they come together and they they make up their differences because they both realize that uh, both of their mothers are named Cartha. <laughs> Cartha. Cartha. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I would have slapped that person. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> what did you? What, so, what did you th- think particularly about? Um, uh, Christian Bale's acting and uh, Matt Damon's acting. They're both fantastic. Uh, I think Christian Bale, like he from like from the jump when you first see him, um, you still obviously know it's Christian Bale. He didn't do like a massively transformative body performance, right? But he did a lot of things like with the hunch, like his constantly like pursed lips and everything. He did a really, really, really good job. And Matt Damon throughout the thing, like again, you don't lose sight of the fact that the actors are who they are, but. If this was any kind of older movie or anything, this would be about as transformative as a performance would get. It's really good. One of my favorite scenes in the movie, and it's not spoiling anything, it's in the trailer, is uh, the part where uh, Matt Damon's character and Christian Bale's character get into a fight right in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of uh, Christian Bale's groceries are spread out on the ground, and Matt Damon's <laughs> going to grab something to, to like hit him because uh, Christian Bale's like, on his back. Yeah, and, you think he's gonna get something crazy? Yeah, because he he reaches for like a can of beans or whatever, and he's gonna <laughs> smack him in the head with that. And he grabs it, and he's like, "Okay, no, that's gonna hurt him way too much." So then he just grabs a <laughs> loaf of bread and starts hitting him with the loaf of bread. <laughs> it's so funny. Like immediately after that part, like they've obviously done this before. Yes. At that point, you realize that, uh, and he, um, the the they both like look to the side and they realize that. Um, christian bale's wife is looking and she's like i'm well i'm gonna have to go to the store or whatever like because all the groceries are ruined now the bread's strewn <laughs> everywhere uh and she's like would you would you like anything and he's like oh like a, a fizzy pop for me um christian bale says and um uh, matt damon's character is like yeah one for me too and, he's, and christian bale's like no no just one for me just one for me he doesn't need one <laughs> It's a good moment. Yeah, it's a it's a great moment. It, it really the movie uh, to me it really portrays the two characters as 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 almost brothers, and it's it their, their relationship throughout the movie is what really sells me on that, as well as the technical technological feats in in either filming or creating a car the the car race. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
Uh, what was the other movie you watched or the other thing you watched? Oh, I thought, you, I thought you said you had two. No, 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 no. No, just, just Ford vs. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I read other comics and stuff like that, but no. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, uh, for my week's watch, I, I, I had two documentaries that I watched uh, that I thought were really interesting. I saw them on, uh, on Netflix. Um, the first one was The Great Hack. Uh, I feel like everybody else had already went and saw, watched this on, on Netflix. Is a re- I thought it was a really cool um, thing. I thought I was going to go into it learning a little bit more about uh, all the Facebook data mining and um, selling of our data rights to other companies and stuff like that, but pretty much everything I already knew. So that was a little bit of a letdown, but it was still interesting to follow um, the Brittany Kaiser, char- uh, not, not character person, since it's a documentary. <laughs> she was a higher up exec at Cambridge Analytica that um kind of got labeled as a whistleblower but it's more she just came forward when she was kind of told to come forward and um then uh, and then there was the, the other character is a our character and the other person is a uh professor who kind of started the whole ball rolling when he found out that you know his data rights had been sold by uh Cambridge Analytica and stuff like that or his data information and he's the one who sued them, Cambridge Analytica, in in UK court, and uh, got the whole ball rolling of this whole thing. And we found out, like, you know, how much of the 2016 election was influenced by these people, and how they Cambridge Analytica like influenced a whole election in Trinidad, like making it so mm-hmm. that people were. Uh, not going to vote like their whole campaign was don't go out and vote and people didn't so the indian side of uh trinidad won out in elections because of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was really it was, a, it was a really interesting uh documentary but like i said i didn't learn anything new when i thought i would did, did it feel like a documentary where they they knew going into it what their story was. It wasn't one of the ones where someone starts filming something and they kind of realize there's information supporting a certain thing and they go for that afterwards. No, it was definitely uh, we we know what we're trying to say in this one and we're just going like because it was a lot of events that already happened. So it's, it was a lot of that, and then it was also following concurrently as uh, the the hearings were going down. So. Okay. You do you, do you feel that that like kind of like weakened it as the documentary goes? No, because I mean, I like I like the ones where they ask a question first and then go and fi- find out better, mm-hmm. but this one I think it still works great because it's more of it's more of giving a uh, a flashier flashier um visual for a current event. Okay. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one I watched was something that I thought I did know a lot about, but then ended up learning more about when watching it. And it was um, Game Changers, which is also on Netflix. It is it is about a UFC fighter who injures his knees, and then while he's injured, he wants to learn more about um, healing faster, recovering faster from injury so that he can start training and also teaching other people. And wh- while he's doing the studying, while he's injured, he finds out about uh, that basically his whole life he's been lied to about diet and that 
he believes he needs to eat more meat to get protein in his diet when in actuality a plant-based diet is is better for you for uh getting muscle mass recovery from injuries recovery from working out uh basically all your elite athletes in the world have a plant-based diet and it is scientifically better for you than eating uh meat at every mm-hmm. level so yeah do, do they go into tiger nuts well colloquially referred to tiger nuts i don't know what no they do not what is that so there, there's um uh there's a nut that has the exact same nutrient profile as red meat minus Ooh. the negative things uh and so it, it's it's mainly located in one of those places that are uh seen in evolution as being like the the seed of life for humans uh, and so there's there's a lot of different like theories and things like that about how people might have ended up eating meat um, and getting the same kind of benefit they get from those things versus um, the nuts that they had in their in our past historically. Oh, huh. and like I don't know, it, it's an interesting one to look into the things that we eat and stuff. It it changed over time, but it wasn't always the way that we eat meat. Now we see that in other cultures, like it's much lighter on meat. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And they talk about that how in or in the forties, and it's so it's pretty recent <laughs> that in the forties there was just a doctor that came out and said, "Hey, you need to get all your protein from meat because look, look, you want to be like this animal. Thus, you need to get <laughs> meat." And then yeah. people were like, "Oh yeah, sure, that makes absolute sense." And then we just stuck to it from then yeah. on. Uh, and then they talk about like paleo diet where it says eat like a caveman, which people just visualize as eating a lot of meat when in actuality it's a lot of plants. And then even yeah, your, you forage a lot. Yeah, yeah. Your teeth are all are all are actually made to eat plants, not eat meat. Like your mm-hmm. canines are there more for uh corn. show. Huh? For corn. Well, that and for show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like honestly, we we've even got bad incisors as far as stuff goes. Like our incisors kind of fucking suck. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, if you look around, like most animals, yeah, like the weak point is the incisors, but like ours are extra fucking bad. <laughs> so like even like uh, the the so the guy who's the UFC fighter is the documentary in, in this, or at least he's the subject, and mm-hmm. he goes around interviewing uh, all these elite athletes. One of them is the essentially the strongest man in the world where he picks up, was it 1,224 pounds around his neck and walks it 30 feet. Yeah. The thing was insane. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Did he talk to anyone that's like a big name pop, like GSP or anything like that? Oh, like, uh, uh, no, he talks to, um, he talks to a few of the doctors that work for the NFL and mm-hmm. specifically some uh the Miami Dolphins and uh and then there's a there's a firefighter in New York that uh is also a seven-time triathlete that oh. he gets he gets like a whole station a whole fire station in New York to just uh for 7 days only eat plants or eat plant mm-hmm. plant-based meals. Whoa. And wow. yeah, yeah, no kidding. And then, you listen, we, we we've got vegan sausage. They can still make <laughs> some lunch chili. <laughs> No, I know, but firefighters are very stubborn people. Like, <laughs> but the, but they talked about after just after the seven days, most of their cholesterol went down. Like on average, they went it went down like sixty nine yeah. points. Cool. Uh, hey, yeah, and uh, blood pressure went down. Jeez, oh, 
blood pressure went down, <laughs> weight went down on average. So that was it was pretty uh, pretty cool to see. One of the big interviews was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger himself, who oh. at the age of oh. seventy five went to a or not seventy five, I'm mean sixty five or sixty or something like that went to a plant based mm-hmm. diet. Uh, he said that he found you know even though when he was young and Mister Universe, you know he, he ate all that meat. Now he feels more energized after when he eats just plants. Like it's, it's it helps him work out better um, eating a plant based diet. Hmm. I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that there's like a good thing for that. I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of the things that are seen as like the mass marketed um, like plant based things, so like your Impossible Burgers and stuff like that. At the end of the day, they're not super healthy or anything. It's because it's all um, preservatives and shit, right? Yeah, that and then a bunch of grains, like a, a lot oh, of grains yeah. in those things. Yeah, a lot um, of which, yeah. like, at the end of the day, it's still good, even just environmentally, if people are eating less meat. But for your body, I mean, even just switching out one of those every like week or so for something else is still a good change. Yeah. So yeah, that's that was a great um, net or doc, doc, doc documentary. Uh, what like I said actually t- taught me a few things and. Uh, Actually made me think about a few things. I might be thinking about changing over a little bit. Oh, better than I, than I did while I was there. I just ate French fries around you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that was the great thing about you, Stephen. You never tried to push be- veganism on anybody else. So <laughs> I try, I try. Just French fries. <laughs> just French fries, and everybody loves French fries. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so that was our week's watch this week. Um, let's go ahead and get into episode. What is it? Six? Six. Six of Watchmen on HBO. This extraordinary being. Uh, I said it before. More like Minutemen. <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> I said it before we started recording. I would say this is my favorite episode of the season so far. Of the show same. so far, I guess, since it's the first yeah, season. <laughs> same. Mm-hmm. Like, last week's episode was great, but this week I just was was really good. Um, John, what would you think? I would say it's so far of these six episodes, it's still not it's not my favorite, but it's definitely noteworthy. Yeah. I would say this just just from the way it was shot, the narrative style and everything that we learned, like my gosh, this thing <laughs> was revelation after revelation. <laughs> it was quite the info dump. <laughs> at, at the at the end of this uh like us talking about the events of the episode, I wanna circle back around to how John felt about the thing. Uh I won't say why or anything. But I just want to put that out there. So if I forget, someone help me remember. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, the episode starts off with Angela in jail, I believe. Learning. Well, more specifically, the titles change from Watchmen to Minutemen. That's right. And because... then we get that little glimpse of American Hero story. Yeah. With uh, Hooded Justice being, I guess, uh, interrogated by the, was it the FBI? No, I think it was just regular, well, was it FBI or was it because yeah, N- they were NYPD? mentioning Hoover. Oh, that's true. They're saying that yeah. uh, the Me- Captain uh. Metropolis, a.k.a. Nelson Gardner, whatever his name was, has some incriminating information. That, of a guy who looks like Yeah, because Hoover. Hoover's not a pervert in real yeah. life. They say. And I was like, <laughs> sure. Uh, but he takes his mask off and he's this uh, chiseled, good old corn-fed white man. Um, and he quickly just demolishes them because he's like, you would never take a picture of me. <laughs> so, yeah, and that was the, the American Hero Story version of uh, Hooded Justice. Yes. It, it was interesting. The We've seen stuff in the show 
um, well, in the show, inside the show, for uh, American Hero Story, that's like we we've known has been inaccurate accounts of stuff, right? Yeah. But then they do as as the episode goes on, we learn that one of the things that they had in there was something that we saw in the previous episode where uh, Hooded Justice was gay, right? And that was something that was true. Was true, yeah. Uh, which, so it's mm-hmm. everything else about the show with that massive difference between <laughs> the the show and the real character are interesting. Well, yeah. Also, the the depiction in the first or second episode that they had to put it justice, it showed him as breaking into that what was it that grocery store? Yeah, um, grocery through store. the window yeah. and taking out all those thugs. Where mm-hmm. here we see what really happened was actually kind of the opposite. He was breaking out of there because he was being shot at. Yeah, I yeah. thought that was I was pretty great that they we revisited that scene, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So the idea is that we're getting uh, all these visions through Angela's eyes uh, because she has taken the nostalgia pills that she should not have taken. No, no. <laughs> and uh, she is essentially in a coma in a prison cell as she's experiencing all this. Now, can I say that it's 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 co- incredibly convenient that she experiences all the memories in chronological order, so to speak? Yeah, that, that kind <laughs> of was way too convenient. I was like, I don't think... No. <laughs> it like, should be like I, random flashes. It, it might have been that... Um, like she experienced the stuff because she took them all at the same time, right? So maybe yeah. her brain just sorted them. That's the other thing I could say is it's it's yeah, it's, a, you, it's a spinning disbelief. <laughs> but they yeah, were also jumbled you could, together you could too. Argue it. The brain managed to put it in order to make it make sense to try to keep her alive and not overwhelmed. But but plus it was all it's all done with little tiny robot computers and stuff like that when they take it out of his memory and put it into the pill, I would assume it also does something like that, putting them back in. Yeah. Actually, we don't know what's inside the pills that could, that could also yeah. be a structured like little nanobot kind of thing anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, it does, it does have a little bit of jumbling up. Like you have like the parts where it's black and white and you see the lady or his mother playing the, the piano in places where she wasn't obviously. Right. Or, or when she sees the, the police car driving away and it's carrying some bodies that have been lynched. Yeah. And obviously that wouldn't have actually have been there, but that's like the different memories combining of the, uh, actual, uh, massacre at Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, overall though, just the whole way it was done, how, I mean, it, it, they weren't trying to make it look like it was one take the whole time, but it certainly felt that way for a lot of it mm-hmm. where it looked like it was just transitioning from like indoors to outdoors to apartments to these different areas. And it felt very kind of a stream of consciousness, which yes. you would want from something that's taking place entirely in the mind. Yeah. It actually reminded me a lot of, yeah. um, the dream sequences are of uh, Eternal Sunshine for this, uh, of the True. Spotless Mind. It had a lot of that vibe for it. But this we, one felt like a Star Trek episode for me. This felt like a holodeck. Like Picard oh, yeah. stuck, it, stuck inside the, the thing with the flute episode. That's what this oh, felt like yeah. for me. <laughs> and then with the soundtrack to Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, since we're talking Watchmen, I have to say that it, it very much makes me re- rethink of, of the way that Dr. Manhattan probably experiences time oh, like how good, everything yeah. happens at the same time simultaneous kind of yeah, yeah very good point so I, w- I would assume that's kind of what they were trying to go for and we also get some references to um 
Action Comics number one in here. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. The newsstand is reading, and yeah. he's explaining to him what uh, what Action Comics number one is, what super, who Superman is, and as Which, he's doing did it, that, did it have that origin in the very first issue? Yes. Okay, it did. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Like as you were probably going to get to that point, also, I love that it confirmed, like, oh yeah, or Superman's origin was like what happened to him. Yeah, it very much mirrors his his own yeah. origin story, so to speak. That was pretty cool. Did Did anyone else think it was interesting? Um, because uh, David Lindelof has been very clear about the fact that he didn't want to make a direct sequel to Watchmen or anything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, he wanted to make a thing that w- existed on its own with that same world. That by showing the comic book in this series, it's still keeping it separate from the current canon of Watchmen and DC where the things are like, intermingling. They're they're merging, yeah. Yeah, this one makes sure that they are separate things. This world has Superman, that's fictional. This is Watchmen, this is its well, own thing. I believe that they do mention the, in the graphic novel, in some of the supplemental material, um, Superman Action Comics number one, because if you remember... Um, because they change it in the in the comic book when they the newspaper headline was supposed to say uh, the Superman is real. Well, that's the it, it does say the Superman is real, or at least the 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 newspaper headline says Superman is real and, and he's, he's American. American. Yeah. But the guy who actually said the quote said God is real and he's American. Yeah, but to that point, superheroes existed for a brief period of time in this world. It's just that the creation or the proliferation of real costumed uh you know vigilantes drew i guess attention away from the comic book versions that's why in their world uh the popular medium became pirate Pirates. stories instead of superheroes like pirate mm-hmm. and horror i think was like a, a lesser but still popular genre superheroes just kind of became like like so what like that's what we have already in the real world it, it wasn't as escapist yeah. anymore um which is another one of those small little details I like. But yeah, they do mention that it did happen um, in here. And Zack Snyder kind of had a little nod to that in the movie as well, where he shows Night Owl during that intro sequence uh, for the times they are changing, that Night Owl actually saves the <laughs> the Waynes from Waynes. getting murdered yeah. uh, as a way of showing that, oh, that doesn't happen here. We, we step in and prevent all that from happening, um, which is pretty cool. Um, what was it? Something I was going to bring up was that, uh, damn it. I lost it. All right. Not season. <laughs> oh, no, no. So yeah, because, uh, wasn't it also speculated that the, the mask hooded mask? No. Hooded justice. Hooded, hooded justice. Ju- thank you. They kept calling him HJ and I didn't like that. No, <laughs> that's hand job guys. That's hand job. Well, I mean, <laughs> but they <laughs> end up revealing about him. I mean, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> How's that? Anyways, it's just, I'm disappointed in you, Mitch. <sighs> Anyways, uh, hooded justice, the, like they were speculating earlier in the series or before that, uh, he actually had some type of super strength. And now we come to find out that he didn't have any superpowers whatsoever. He just, he just was, had rage. He just had rage, <laughs> yeah. which is enough rage. for yeah. most people. Like yes. uh, adrenaline is enough. I watched Alphas. That's a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> you watched Alphas. It's a good show. It, that was, it wasn't bad. That was also Ben Stiller's power in uh, the Mystery Men. That's true, Mister Fury. <laughs> Honestly, I thought like they, they said that he doesn't. But one of the things that's always struck me about every time they show Hooded Justice, whether it's in this this the fictional series inside of a series 
or in these memories is that no, I feel when he hits somebody oh. more than I've than I do in most superhero things. Well, the sound design on that is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say that, um, but I think if anything, if his superpower is anything, is that he could take a bunch of hits because. Yeah. When you're when he's when he's going up against the five clan members in the the back of the grocery store, like there's points where they're not, you know, they're not just attacking him one at a time. A lot of it is, but he's still getting hit. It's not like he's dodging or anything like that. He's he's just he's getting slammed around. He's just able to stay up. Yeah. Well, maybe you know if you know you can survive a lynching, then that kind of gives you a special kind of confidence. That's true. He did survive a lynching at the beginning of it. So That's that was fair. That was another thing. He so at the at the very beginning or not the very beginning, but at the kind of the beginning of Angela having the memories, she it's her as Will uh becoming a op- police officer for the first time in 1938 New York. 1938 New York, yeah, uh, you have the white com- police commissioner giving everybody their badge and then saying good luck. Uh you know, do a do good Do us proud. Do us do us proud, do a yeah. good job. Yeah. They get to him. He walks right past him, leaves it for the black officer or to 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 pin the badge on him, and then the mm-hmm. black officer whispers to him and says, "Watch out for the cyclops." Yeah, they wear the white and, cyclops. Like, he, he says another <laughs> thing before, and then says that to him, which is a much more substantial thing than all the rest of those shitty white cops got. Right, <laughs> like they got the same phrase that they just heard, like like John O'Reilly next to them get, you know. <laughs> Which, side note, that, that officer that puts the badge on him is based on a real officer that apparently, I, you know, I'm doing a disservice by not remembering his name right now, but he was based on a real person that was instrumental to integrating the police force in the 30s New York okay. uh, police area. Yeah, so. That's, that makes three historical figures that they've directly referenced in here. Basically, well, I guess four. Yeah. I don't know. Um because we've got um, uh, the guy who would have inspired the Lone Ranger. Oh yeah, Re- uh, Will yeah. Bass Bass Reeves. Yeah, Bass Reeves, who's directly referenced. Um, that guy there, the person in the historical center, uh, and then um, the the one that we'll talk about later being Fred. Oh yeah. Who? Oh, yeah. Who's that has, supposed to be? That's Fred Trump. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, on on the thing. Um, so Fred Trump, in actuality, was one of the people who had one of the first supermarkets or well, markets, I guess, um, in New York and the surrounding area. Um, and then um, the business is called FT and Sons, oh. which is very reminiscent of his actual business in real life. It had a very similar name, uh, and he was um, depending on who you are. Um, tied in with KKK things heavily or it's totally unsubstantiated depend, d- despite the newspaper things that back that up. Okay. That, that's something I did. I learned something today. So yeah, yeah that was uh, on one of his first uh, patrols. He sees a man throw a Molotov cocktail into a Jewish deli. And as he goes to arrest him um, and brings him into the police station, um, the other white officers take Fred away and say they'll deal with it, but then he sees him on the street later and he's been released because he's white and part of the clan. Like, is the Cy- is Cyclops a part of the clan? Like, is that a real thing? Was that a real sect of the clan? Does anybody know? 
I don't I know if that's a real that. thing, but we did see that same logo in the uh, the Seventh Cavalry's warehouse in the previous episode. The eyeball, yeah. Oh yeah, that we was did. Also there when they did the the thing with the eye. It is also the, the okay. thing that was the four chan okay um, symbol that they pushed into being public consciousness. Um, I don't know how to phrase that the best. 4chan made people do the okay symbol and said that it was an, like a, a racist thing, and then people took that and actually made it a thing that they did as racists. Yeah, and that's the same thing that they did when they put it to their head to show the I thought, Cyclops thing. I thought in the show they they did the 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 middle finger instead of the index finger though. And the only time that I saw the person like do the thing um, that I remember super directly was that first guy. Uh, and I don't remember how he did it, but then when Will did it, he did it with his middle finger. With his middle finger? Yeah, but okay. I don't know if that was him just being like, he did this thing to you, like doing it really fast right. with whatever finger was handy, you know? Okay. I, yeah, I thought I saw the first officer do it with his his middle finger as well. But hmm. so uh, come to find out that the clan in this version is is using, and I don't know if that's, in, so it was the middle finger. Yeah. John looked it up, okay. it is the middle finger. Um, okay. The clan in this is using uh, mesmerizing techniques or hypnosis yes. techniques to mesmerism. Mesmerism, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, not only incite black people through movies, motion pictures, to fight one another, but also to encourage white people to hate black people and kill them through. I'm guessing movies as well. Um, what's that called? Uh, not subliminal, messages. subliminal messages. Thank you. Well, there was a part where they had white people do it. I didn't remember. That's that. a, that's what his message was. He was recording when he was uh, when he gets killed. When Will kills him, strangles him. I thought he yeah, was recording. He was recording a message for black people. No, right? he's, yeah, I'm, I was for- he's he said at the end, "Don't harm any white people." Right. I think he's still talking to white people. I didn't take no, that to be sure the case. I'm pretty sure he started while he was talking to black people. I'm pretty uh-huh. sure he... Yeah. I'd have to go watch it again. I thought... I could have sworn that I thought that they were... Also, he was talking to white people in that one. Yeah, because the, the only thing that I remember in there was him talking to two black people saying, um, like, uh, beat them until you were, like, covered in... Your hands are covered in their blood. Um, and then hit yourself. And then he switched to... He did say hit yourself, so you're probably right. I do remember uh, that. Uh, yeah. Um, I look. I had to look up the Cyclops thing. So apparently, it's like a title that you give somebody in the Ku Klux Klan. So like, it with positions. They have a bunch of different positions, and for whatever reason, it's all fantasy things like Cyclops and giants <laughs> and goblins. He's yeah. a grand dragon. Yeah, grand wizard. And with eight hydras and. I'm really confused because I never knew the yeah. fantasy element. <laughs> they're just yeah. a bunch of role players that <laughs> took it too far. Yeah. So weird. 100%. The, like they're, they're, one of their rankings is Grand Wizard, and everyone's always like, why are they going to have such cool-sounding rankings? You know, just as a minor side note, since we brought up Superman earlier, um, I was reading an article that talked about the inclusion of Action Comics number one and how Superman was actually very instrumental in kind of like making the popularity of the KKK go down because uh, a lot of the early comics and even the radio drama 
had to do with him fighting the KKK. And within the comics, it was actually exposing a lot of that ridiculousness of like wizards and goblins and all that. And a lot of people thought it was, you know, just like, oh, this is like fantasy. Like this is pretty, you know, out there outlandish stuff. But then I was like, no, this is really what they believe. And we're just kind of putting it in this like frame, you know, and the ridiculousness of it just kind of being thrown out there like that and being made fun of actually diminished its popularity for a long time, I heard. Um, yeah. So yeah. in this world, maybe that didn't happen, and the the KKK. And as a matter of fact, there's a fan theory going on now um, within the Reddit of Watchmen, stating that uh, a whole lot of other information from the graphic novel, such as the police riots um, and the the Keen Act, were to try to ban the masks because the masks were getting too close to the um, basically revealing the close ties that the police and the KKK had with each other. So they wanted to get them out of the equation. The police were uh, striking and rioting to and to get that law passed to protect themselves. Hmm. Good, yeah, no, good stuff. Um, like, I, I, that's one of my favorite things about comics and things like that in general, superheroes, was that they used to be a commentary on things. Superman was an immigrant and stuff. That's one of the reasons I take such a big issue with created by two Jewish men too. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he is he's he's a he's a space alien Moses. So yeah. mm-hmm. the Uberman. Yeah. yeah, that's why I I don't know why people keep wanting the Snyder cut so much. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Watchmen. <laughs> you know, I, it'd be interesting just for the different version of a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, so you can go watch that if you want. I, I would. <laughs> report back to it also a lot of people apparently didn't realize online they were like why would the nazis be in the u.s and i was like well no that really did happen the, yeah they had rallies in mm-hmm. madison yeah. square garden oh and yeah the, you know there were a lot of american pol- politicians that were sympathizers up until it wasn't popular to be that anymore mm-hmm. some still are you know it's some just, still are it's uh interesting that um, what I love the most about this show and this episode in particular, also the very first one had this, it's bringing to light a lot of stuff that's just kind of been pushed under the rug a little bit. Especially just, about American history. About American history. Yeah. yeah stuff that wasn't yeah. talked about. Stuff that it makes people of today uncomfortable about the past and about yeah. some of the uh, actions that were taken. And yeah, the, uh, apparently the ratings are going down for the show. And there's a lot of people from both sides of the uh, equation here that are kind of uh basically trying to discredit the show and make like make it not be watched and like review bombing things like rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. um because it's kind of it, it it's causing some discomfort i think you know what um as like a a direct thing from that like i had talked before about the fact that people were going through and review bombing the first few episodes because they, they were mad because of the race like the inclusion of such uh charged racial topics uh and such a specific light you know um and you can still see that reflected even now people have got like gotten onto the series and have enjoyed it and found that they like the series more and more the first episode still sits at a 7.9 the second episode at a 7.9 uh, and then this newest episode going forward, the ratings, the um, fan ratings have only gone up. It's 9.3, 9.2. But then you have um, a good, like a massive disparity in the amounts of rankings. Even um, the previous episode, like the other the episodes that have happened after the first two 
you they sit around like three thousand ratings, and the first the first the first one is six thousand ratings, mm. and it came down at seven point nine. And to think that that wasn't people going through and review bombing because stupid fucking internet nerds love going through and review bombing stuff for video games and everything like that because. Mm-hmm. There's such a bad precedent for review, review bombing now and the perception of ratings. I think it's directly tied to that racial stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And somebody yeah. commented or somebody made a meme about it and they were posting a quote. Somebody said, it was like, God, I hate it when they try to get all political with these things <laughs> these days. And then somebody was like, um, have you read any of Alan Moore's stuff? Yeah. And they posted a picture <laughs> of him wearing like a Russian like hammer and sickle shirt looking like a <laughs> wizard himself. And I was like, do you know who this guy is? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, people are dumb. Yeah. So... Uh, we did get a answer to how will kill Judd. Uh, do you, what? What were you gonna say, John? Finish your thought, but this is the only problem I had with this whole episode. Okay, but, yeah. So, uh, Will, after I, I do you okay? Does anybody assume after he killed those clan members and and uh, shot Fred Trump? Apparently, um, he kept mm-hmm. the. There, I mean, he um he quit being hooded justice. Yes. Oh. No. 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 I um, did not. I did not think that. I thought maybe he quits for like a month or something, but then he comes back into it harder than he ever has. Okay. Because he did have the scene with his son. Yes. Well, if we're gonna go based off what we know from the graphic novel, he disappears mysteriously and suddenly, like nobody knows where he went. Um. And when they shortly find the body of that uh, German bodybuilder, right? Uh, everybody just assumes that that was him. So they just like, oh, well, th- we don't know what really happened to him. Nobody really knew what he looked like. This guy could have been him. Case closed. That's kind of where that went. But he did just kind of drop out suddenly. And I think that was because based on what we learned in this episode, he realized that if he's going to keep doing these things, he has to go like... He has, he has to disappear. He, he has, has to, to become do it a ghost. by himself. Yeah, because the Minutemen weren't going to help him. They weren't interested anyway. Um, they, they, he came to realize, it, and it, rightly so, that they were just basically a publicity stunt. Well, they, I thought it was interesting because it's kind of the boys, right? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's, that's, that's what it reminded me of, too, was the boys. Yeah, because that's what uh, Captain Metropolis was all about. Was like, hey, also go and put your money in this bank over here with dollar bill. Yes, what is it, Sun Bank or was it National Bank? National I Bank, remember. I think. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, which yeah, it was all about just having sex and hanging out with other people yeah. in costumes and then selling out, selling out your your name. And that's one of the subtexts about the graphic novel that I picked up on when I first read it, it was like, oh, these are people with some issues. Oh, like yeah. they're, they're using the whole superhero thing as just another way of living out their excesses that they want. Um, well, it's just like in what Batman Begins, he's like a, a big guy, or was it, no, it's Dark Knight. Is it, is it Dark Knight or Batman Begins where he's like a guy who runs around in a bat costume has got a lot of problems up in his head. Like Bruce Wayne says that yeah. when he right before he buys the hotel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was the first one. That's Batman Begins, right? Yeah. Um... But yeah, so like these guys basically just abusing what little power they had. I mean, Silk Spectre was really just more of a starlet mm-hmm. um, than yeah. actual crime fighter. C- comedian was 
pretty much a guy who just wanted to break the law. He just wanted to go out and beat people up. Yeah, like he got off on it. And he accused uh, Put It Justice of being um, essentially into like just S&M, basically. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is what you like, huh? You, this, mm. this is what gets you hot. And Hooded Justice was like, what? <laughs> when he stopped the uh, the first attempted rape on right. Silk Spectre. Um, I mean, is that still a takedown of the police in the same way that so much else of this is? Because, I mean, we all know that person who joins the police force. Yep. I think from being from Yuma, the person who was always really about guns and stuff like that and just naturally found their way into police. Yeah. These people that just want to... Yeah, like it... <sighs> Regardless of like the the fact that there are obviously good police officers, there there are obviously good superheroes in this as well. But I yeah. think that's still like referencing that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like Night Owl is a good is a good vigilante. He just wants to help. Yeah, the well, the first one, the second yeah. one, that's a whole different thing that we can get into. But uh, yeah, he I, was- I think the second one wanted to too. It just it ended up being more of a psychological thing for him that he wrapped up his self worth in being a costumed hero. Yeah, oh. and Silk Spectre, like number two, that was like her whole identity was also living in the shadow of her mother. Right. So, so she ended up also being a child star. Yeah. Uh, uh, so as we were getting to it, or as I was getting to it earlier. Uh, Will reading the mesmerism book, mes- mesmerizing power of mesmerism <laughs> book, mes- yeah, yeah, Le- yeah, mes- yeah, mesmerism. <laughs> Learn to uh, hypnotize people. He hypnotizes Judd after he gets out of his car, his truck because he ran over the spike strip. He uses a flashing strobing uh, flashlight to uh, convince him to hang himself. Yep. And John John took issue with this. And John took issue with this. Yes. So my issue with this scene, narratively speaking, is there's no way that this would have been in pill form yet. Why? Oh, why? Because from what I read in the uh the documentation of nostalgia, like you have to go into the to the facility, they they do the brain scan on you where they isolate the chemical triggers for certain memories, and then they put those in pill form. This is a memory uh-huh. that just happened, and there's no way that they could have put that into a pill. Well, you got to remember why, why, that. Why would that not when have? It, we we, when we did know she that. Find the pills. When did she take the pills from him? Because didn't she take it after she after they returned her car? Yes, they, they were inside the car. Yeah. So okay, so that does cover that plot hole. You're right. <laughs> no, it's just yeah, that lady like, true. They brought, yeah, Lady True. They brought the car back, so Lady True probably took the memory out and then put the and pill then, and then put it in back the, okay. into the car. Mm-hmm. That does alleviate that situation then for me. Okay, okay. There you go. Grievance relief. <laughs> but the fact that he could he hypnotized him to kill himself, you're okay with? No, yeah, all that's fine. Okay. Um, I'm cu- I'm curious as to why he wanted to, to kill Judd. I, I had a little bit of issue with that because I thought um, Wade said that it seemed like. Um, he was in a fight before he died. Like it seemed like there was a big struggle about it, and it didn't seem like that much of a struggle that would make too much evidence. You're not wrong, but I'd have to go back. Yeah, I'd have to go back and rewatch what Wade says about the autopsy results. But like I thought, he said there was like something of a struggle or or something on on the body, but and then it just seemed like kind of too calm of a. Because he did it himself, like there's nothing him for him to fight against. But 
Well, did he say that he struggled, or did he say that, or, or was it that there wasn't a struggle? Because I remember him also saying that he said that he, like, he thrashed about like while on the rope kind of thing. There's a oh yeah, that's what I was like. I was trying to remember. I thought he said like he had a painful, horrible. I don't know. I felt like there was something more to the death than just hanging. But mm. I, I, I remember. I interpreted it wrong. I, I remember it being that he was saying that his death would have been painful, but that was the main thing. It's a good oh. thing he was high on no. coke. Oh, did, did or whatever he... that stuff was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, I know that in real life, when you use that like hypnotism, usually you still can't. You don't want to do things that are, that you know are going to harm yourself. He did pause during that that specific part. He did. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that is a true thing. Hypnotism can't make you do anything that you don't want to do. So I'm wondering if there, if there was a struggle. There was still that thing, and and you know, it's still memory. So Will can remember it any way he wants. It's not necessarily what actually happened. That's true. Yeah. So now we're or talking about bum, bum. <laughs> now we're talking about some Harry that's Potter shit right here. Really it's true. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what I first thought about when the, the pills were introduced was the whole Harry Potter. And, Those pensives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say that kind of at the end of it is uh, we see Laura, Laura Blake, like intermittently, like trying to wake up. Uh, uh, Angela. Angela, and then even bringing in Cal, her husband, at one point to try and wake her up, but she still sticks to staying in the memory. It's not until later on when she's in the same facility as Lady True that she comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and she's got some funky IV going into her. Yeah, it looked like they yeah. were putting Drano or something in her. I mean, <laughs> probably not too far off, <laughs> like Rotor Rooter and. So, uh, what happens when you when Lady True shows up? Like, are we theorizing for next episode? Yeah, I think so. In the preview, did did everyone watch the preview? I did not. I did. Okay, so John, like in in the preview, there's that part where she like she's hitting a door and she says like I know you're in there. I took I took your uh, I forget the name of the drug right now, nostalgia, Um, and she like busts through the door. I, I don't think that they ever. Like I don't, I don't think her grandfather is in there by any stretch of the imagination. I think she sees some other crazy science shit that Lady True does, mm. probably cloning stuff. Okay, mm. I think we're gonna get a lot. Well, I mean, like I did see the preview, so I, I think it's gonna show us a lot more of Angela's past too. And the past I think that show, we don't know about. I think yeah. they show Angela's future, and they show Lady True's past. Well, because they show a little black girl, and it looks like it's she's wearing Asian-looking dress, so. Um, oh, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. You just think also. Oh, in a, in a accordance. Did, we did, didn't we at one point we see like Angela's mother or something like trying that. I thought that might be her grandmother. Okay, possibly yeah, I, I uh, Will Reeves' wife. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. so I think they brought her. They brought her there. Uh, I think she was yeah. the thing that they used to bring her out because she's a commonality between the two sets oh. of memories. Speaking of which, we didn't mention. So Will Reeves' wife was the baby that he helped save from the uh, massacre. Yes. We didn't oh, yeah. talk about that. That is true. I guess they That's stuck not... together. Weird. Indeed. 
Yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> it, it, it sets a certain tone and expectation to your relationship. Going well, I mean, forward. which would also kind of, I mean, explain okay. why he hid his actual sexuality for so long. Yeah, or it, or it helped. I think they did very clear service to that, where she said, "Like, don't make me start over and everything," and he was staying. Um, like, obviously, there are other cultural and social, like, social reasons for him to stay closeted and everything. But I think the largest portion of that would have been to have someone there for her because she doesn't have anyone else. Right. Yeah. That. I mean, 1938 was just a really bad time to be a black man in the police force that's also gay or bisexual. I mean, you have so much going against you already. Yeah. Yeah. You can see why putting on a mask would probably yeah, that's be... the only way to get things done. And possibly the most controversial aspect about it, he had to do it in whiteface. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is interesting yeah. because so many of the superhero TV shows now, they always put on the black grease paint to put on their masks so that it's it's even angela puts on black yeah. grease paint across her eyes A direct yep. uh mirror of that the, yeah. the inverse actually yeah the inverse she puts so, he, he puts on white the the stuff for that that's a like a direct very direct thing uh statement on american cultural um like appropriation i guess uh again they, they set up the figure who would inspire lone ranger and everything like that the lone ranger is white that guy was not white. Like that's that's referencing that his biggest hero, right, was a person who got whitewashed. Yes, and then to, for his identity, he has to whiten up his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. Is there some kind of correlation then with the um, the game warden basically looking like the Lone Ranger? Oh, I mean, maybe I don't know yet. Yeah. They've they've been doing a good job of setting stuff up. Damon Lindelof paying off way better than he ever did on Lost. Right. We didn't get a uh, Ozymandias scene this time around. Anything about even think about that? Mm-mm. Oh, in the preview, they show yeah. us that they're doing some kind of a trial for him. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you think we're going back in time? Uh, oh, it's tri- trial off of his things with the with the warden. Oh, okay. the warden is Got acting it. like the judge, yeah. from what it looked like. Oh, that's right. And then, yeah, you have like uh, <laughs> the whole courtroom is full of like Crookshanks and Phillipses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious. So you guys both like um, you. You guys both being uh, Jess and John. You guys both like this series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jess, you didn't uh, watch or take in a lot of Watchmen things before this. No, just the movie, and I haven't even sat down and watched it all the way through. Okay, um, John, you you like taking the Watchmen things you like all like the the background stuff the minutiae the things that go oh, yeah. to previous stuff and everything like that and like this series yes um, as a person who also dislikes the new Star Wars things that are taking old things and changing them drastically mm-hmm. you liked you liked this episode which is still this is going and retconning old things and repurposing them for new story I just wanted to like I was wondering is it just because of how they're doing the things or Yes. Well, to answer that question, um, I actually had this conversation with someone else on the internet earlier today where he was saying, oh, here they come, just changing everything, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I mean, if you really look at it, they didn't change anything from the graphic novel because everything still works. You know, in the graphic novel, all you really know about Hooded Justice is that he's tall, he's strong. Nobody really knew who he was. 
Uh, it was rumored he had a sexual relationship with Captain Metropolis, um, and he looked like he was a white guy. In this episode, none of that really changes. We learn some mm-hmm. things that can affect that. Like, yeah. oh, well, he looked like a white guy because he was wearing white face, but he was actually this black guy. But the origin story that they created for him was so organic and well-written that it makes perfect sense. And I'm like, this really fits. I mean, it, there was no explanation for why Hooded Justice was who he was or why he wore that specific costume um, mm-hmm. in the comic. This one is like, no, this is his trauma. You know, like as I mentioned in one of the previous episodes, um, you know, you bring your trauma into it and that becomes part of your identity. So he's taking his trauma and like weaponizing it for making it his shield and, you know, Mm -hmm. doing justice with it. I don't think it retcons anything. If anything, it's a good way of incorporating the known lore and expanding on it. And if you don't like it, then you can just pretend it didn't happen. Um, that's kind of how I treat the the new uh, sequel trilogy. Like it doesn't really change what came before it. I just can ignore it and I can move about my business. Okay, I, I just wanted to to hear your feelings on that stuff for the two because <laughs> I agree completely. They they took a thing they they changed a ton of stuff without changing anything. Which yeah, is cool. they just added more to it. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So was that the thing that you wanted to ask earlier, Stephen? The yeah. thing, okay. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, you yeah, want to see if I like, would be hypocritical about it? <laughs> no, no. I just, I just genuinely like there. There are big parallels between the two things. Where, um, again, Star Wars has like changed things without changing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. aside from obviously changing the books, but those aren't the movies anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. there are other things that expand on Watchmen that aren't necessarily the original things. And I'm sure there's someone out there who's a Watchmen scholar who's like, about them changing something. Oh yeah. There's, there's no shortage of those. Trust me. I've already dealt with a few of them myself. Um, I would (laughs) say that star Wars didn't, star Wars definitely retcon things. Um, and I would say not in a good way. I'm all for retconning stuff if it, it's clever and if it improves or if it does something better. I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole because I could talk for hours about this, as Mitch already knows. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I just, my biggest complaint is that I just feel like the, the changes and the things that they did with the prequels, starting with the prequels, were just not handled well. They didn't. I mean, they I, we all agree the prequels are yeah. they're bad. And with this newer yeah, ones. I don't. I think, the, I think the prequels are just fine. Oh my God. This, is, this you, is the one where we the, disagreed with. You're the kind of person that puts ketchup on steak, Mitch. No, I don't. That's what you are. I don't, no, actually. You, you know, <laughs> no, I, like, putting ketchup on a steak is just fine because there's some shitty steaks out there. There you go. <laughs> it really brings up the extra sodium. <laughs> yeah, give me some like, t- like, tomato sugar sauce over the, like a bad steak any day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so three okay, episodes. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Jessica. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm not. I haven't read any of the books, so I didn't care about anything that was retconned. So I actually do like the new sequels. I don't like the prequels. I liked them initially when I watched them first, because mm-hmm. yay more Star Wars. But I like now watching them now. Like I recognize Episode Two is like the worst writing for Padme ever. <laughs> <laughs> so like that's where I am different from John. Where I'm like I'm not. Like nothing's been retcon for me. I I just like the movies. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm with you. I like I like the the sequel trilogy and all of the stuff that's come after it just fine. Like I I yeah. like them as much as I like the original trilogy. Yeah. You know what I do hate? I hate Ender's Shadow. 
Okay. Whoa! Controversial Whoa. opinion. How fucking dare you? <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't that supposed to be the best one? And like, like in Ender's game is great. Ender's Shadow was wonderful. Uh, you know, that, that that'll be my next like my next series of things that I write for Geekly. <laughs> okay, let's tell us why Whoa. I'm wrong about Ender's Shadow. I love it so much. <laughs> so, uh, Jess, just going back to what Jessica said, uh, I I feel the same way about the two Tim Burton Batman movies. When I first saw them, I I loved them because hey, Batman. But then I went and actually yeah. read Batman comics. And I'm like, that's not Batman. That's not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> those things that happen in those movies aren't Batman. <laughs> so that's. Yeah. But then you're gonna have the, the the few random people that were like, they watch the movies and they're like, yay! And then they read the comics and they're like, these comics aren't Batman. Yeah. And they don't. That's just yeah. how it is with some yeah, sometimes right. with entertainment. Yeah. That everybody takes what they want to take from. You know? So, uh, but we can all agree that Joel Schumacher's Batman is not Batman. <laughs> yes, Warner Brothers has definitely killed Batman <laughs> in a lot of it, a lot of ways. Uh, okay, so going forward, seven, eight, nine, three episodes left. I think it's I think it's seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah, three episodes left. They, that's they, why they, six they made was it scared all of huge. seven. During the episode preview, there were like three episodes left. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are are we going to get to see Doctor Manhattan before the end of the season? Yeah, we have to. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Anybody else got an opinion? I don't. Know. I, I mean, have in, no idea. In the trailer for the series, they show a blue-handed man picking yeah. up a Manhattan mask. But I also feel like that was just. Phillips, Blue Phillips. Oh, Blue Phillips. <laughs> <laughs> he blew himself. Well, he did earlier <laughs> in the season. All right. Uh, okay. So, uh, any other predictions? What uh, you know? What's going to happen with Angela after this point? Anybody got anything? I'm still sticking to my one from the last podcast that her and Lori are going to team up in some way. Okay. They're going to tell her I, I kind of sort of feel it even more after watching this episode and the way Lori was talking to her through it. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's some mutual respect there. <laughs> I agree. I hope Lady True tells her uh, the symptoms or the side effects that she suffered of uh, nostalgia <laughs> overdose. I was like, yeah, we had to clean up a lot. A lot. <laughs> That's actually a banana bag so that you could rehydrate. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you see that wall? It used to be white. <laughs> you were so erect. <laughs> That's not brown speckle. All right. If you have uh, some predictions or some opinions that you'd like to, us to know, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Geek Elite Media. John, where can people find you? I am at Magic Bollocks. Jess? I'm at JM Bailey Writes on Twitter. And Steven, where can people find you? No, they found out in the beginning. You you hyped me already. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's at Peppermint Gentleman again, or pencil, Peppermint Gent, depending on if you can fit all the letters. Peppermint. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is... The Geeks Watch on Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.